0: Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for being here, man.
1: Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Happy to be on.
0: I'm going to ask you a question. What is it that you can advise um, someone who is getting into political science? um, What do you think they should do before they get into government relations?
1: It's a good question. Um, I think I always like to touch on my experiences when asking these kinds of things because Uh, coming from my background at least obviously I didn't have much in it when I first got into this so I think you know as a first generation person and you know undergraduate now graduate degree and now into all the fancy titles and fun things I get to do now (laughs) Um, you know coming from that kind of background I think the best way I try to put it when I explain it to people that ask me that question or try to talk to people that are at a different stage in their career or starting to get started in this kind of thing is um having to having to really kind of reset your mind into saying that you know you have to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks um you have to put yourself out there 110% and touching on that experience i think for myself when i was first looking to get into this what i really tried to do was just try to put myself out there as much as possible and i know that sounds a little general or cliche in some sense but to be honest what it really just kind of meant was showing up was it sending out all my information resume whatever i had to really put on paper at, in, in any sense you know more or less trying to get involved in anything professionally uh, was to get it in front of as many people get my face in front of as many people as possible meet as many people as i could uh, and i can just remember from the earliest stages i you know i saw something about getting involved with the state party here in north carolina as a freshman Uh, at nc state i was like that sounds like a great opportunity had no idea what i was doing was you know not not at all qualified i think really at that point to do it um but you know i just threw the one suit on i had every day and showed up there as much as i could between class i didn't even have my car with me and thankfully it was close by um and i just went there as often as i could to show my face to be helpful to be a fly on the wall to be a you know sponge and soak everything in Um, And then just really kind of get my brain around, okay, what's my next step? You know, what do I need from here? What, you know, what do they need from me? And, um, you know, you could just use things as a stepping stone from there because you'd be surprised at how simple things and easy things come your direction sometimes if you really just focus on being involved and being there um, and offering what you can at that time. Uh, um, It's amazing sometimes how the world is such a small small place and how things can kind of connect if you just you know, treat people the right way and don't burn bridges and keep doors as open as possible. Hmm.
0: And, um, were you like this since childhood or something changed in between? Yeah,
1: I think that's a good question. I think my parents would probably have a different perspective on that. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe some people that have known me a a long time. I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think I've always had the ambition to be involved politically. I can remember in, uh, fourth grade. So I moved here in, uh, 2005. Uh, so I was, uh, yeah, I was right at the end of third grade, beginning of fourth grade. We moved from New Jersey, uh, my parents, and you know, my brother, and my younger brother, and my younger sister. And, uh, and I wanted to run for school uh, for class president in elementary school. And so I had this whole idea in my head that I wanted to run for class president. The only issue I really had is I didn't know anybody um, because I just got there. And so, you know, there's really not much of a platform or that much of a priority list agenda wise or, you know, anything you could kind of put in fourth and fifth graders faces to say, you know, I'm going to make a difference here at this school, Pleasant Union Elementary School. But, you know, I did it Uh, And my honestly what I really, you know, when I say I, I mean, my parents uh, were more of like, you know, this is what he wants to do. You know, this is what he likes. Let's try to see what we could do. So we had all slogans, you know, we had things printed, you know, uh different flyers to hand out, you know, mail. It seems like almost mailers that we see like today in campaigns, things stuck all over the walls. I adopted the JFK slogan. I was like, ask not what your school could do for you, ask what you could do for your school. Like I had a whole thing going. Um, and so I don't know maybe if some of that stem you know, some of that I do now stems from that. but I've always considered myself an extrovert, you know in some sense. and I've never been, you know the more I've gotten into things and the more I've you know met folks and gotten involved in what I do now or um, you know anything that's really kind of accumulated as a part of it. it's being in unfamiliar, uncomfortable territory for me is you know not anything new. So you know, having to meet folks and and you know earn trust and credibility, Um, try to garner respect in any sense, Um, you know, treating people correctly and trying to be as professional as you can. Um, It doesn't mean you can't, you know, slide in jokes there and be sarcastic, like I like to be. Uh, But I think, uh, I I don't know, maybe that stems from that. But I don't think anybody at all will say at, you know, 27, I was the same person I was when I was 5, 10, or whatever the case may be. I just think as I got older, I started to kind of understand a little bit about, you know, what I kind of needed to do to get to do what I want to do one day. Um, and, uh, you know, my parents have always been, uh, fundamental, you know, building blocks and trying to instill a lot of, you know, their values and how they view the world and how they view people and trying to make me understand that, you know, treating people the right way and trying to do it, you know, from that ground up type way, I guess would be the way to put it, um, is kind of the right approach to have for pretty much everything. Um, and, you know, you can only figure out what you want to do by figuring out what you don't want to do <laughs> and just trying to be involved and get involved as much as you can.
0: Mm. Uh, new jersey i think that's where you get your cool swag from i guess that makes sense <laughs> I don't
1: know, man there's a uh, <laughs> there's a uh, uh there, there's a couple chains underneath this suit here so i <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, I think it just depends, you know, Jersey's a great place. Obviously I grew up here in North Carolina. Jersey's just kind of a fun geographical, fun fact of where I, you know, I was technically born, um, but you know, I've made who I am here and you know, went to school year, did the whole thing here. So sometimes you got to throw a twang on depending on who I'm talking to, don't let me fool you. We all got to be chameleons sometimes.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh do you feel like, um, having that, um, you know, outgoing personality is important or key to this um, profession?
1: I think so. I mean, it's, uh, and I don't want to say it as like, oh, it's, well, it's worked for me. It has to work for everybody. And I don't even think, you know, <laughs> worked is even the right word at this point. Um, I, I think being able to, again, you know, talk to folks is important and communication is important. And um, what I've kind of learned through this role is what I take off of from my past is that you know, being able to connect with people at a level, it's, it's just obviously it depends on who you're talking to. But being able to really have your words resonate, obviously, is important. Um, and I think you have that sometimes people say less is more. And I do agree in a certain sense that there's, you know, situations where it calls for you to be, you know, not at the forefront of every conversation and not dominating every topic. Um, and sometimes, you know, trying not to be the smartest person in the, in the room, because it doesn't often really lead too many friends or direction uh, when you're dictating that. Um, but I think being able to just uh, walk in and speak with folks really kind of understand that, you know, you're talking to a person. Uh, and when you're talking to a person, you know, people want to feel like their words, and their value, their time is valued. Um, and sometimes that leads you to talking about nothing for 20 minutes. And that's OK. I mean, you know, I, I like to obviously. Um, try to connect with folks and really help them understand that I do care about them, which is why I'm there. And I think that calls for that in this position as well, too, is as much as everybody has a job to do, we have to treat each other a certain way. And we have to actually care about the folks that we're interacting with sometimes on a daily basis. So, um, you know, the extrovert or the outgoing personality, I think, to a certain extent is, you know, necessary at certain points. But I think, you know, you can see good and bad examples of that everywhere it's, you know, um, some people don't shut up, maybe of being a hypocrite, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's more of a situation where, you know, you can, you can kind of try to find the right words sometimes, or the right type of way of speaking to folks and helping them really kind of level with level with people. And it's something that, you know, I've had to do in different capacities now, whether it be through, you know, advocacy stuff in law school, and now as an attorney, obviously, having to kind of put things a little bit more in layman's terms to, help folks understand stuff. God knows I need layman's terms as well too, Um, (laughs) you know, and and then even through the policy work that we have to work on too, it's, you know, experts are experts and they're good at their job, but, you know, there's also people that have to go and explain uh, the expertise sometimes. And, you know, I think sometimes that's where I come in.
0: (laughs) Nice. And has um, anything surprised you? Um, Like, as far as your job goes, Um, when, when you got into this, did something, anything, surprise you, or was it as expected?
1: Yeah, I think you know. I think everything's surprising. Actually, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, I've never really ever, ever totally a hundred percent known what I knew what I was walking into. Um, I think having kind of an open mind is is the best, and you will absolutely be surprised. I think you know when I was working as a as a staffer and that building, which I hold very near and dear to my heart, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of things that are surprising. Things that sound so simple as, you know, you know, I'm just a bill, you know, we all remember that. I mean, things are not that simple. Um, So it's surprising sometimes how, you know, things come to be or why things are at the forefront of conversations or, you know, how certain things get done or don't get done. I mean, there's a lot more to every story. And I think what was surprising to me is I think it's the amount of input and people that are involved in maybe something that is so small, uh, in the grand scheme of the world that we live in. Um, and you would just think like, oh man, this is three sentences. Like, why would, you know, this many people care about it? And you're like, well, you know, this is actually the input of hundreds, not thousands of people. And you're like, oh man, okay. Yeah. No, this is not just some small thing. That's why you, Everybody in the government relations thing, it's like I just have a small bill. It's a minor bill. It's a you know non-controversial bill, and it's like I wish things were that simple in our world. But anything that's worth doing, there's there's always going to be some you know some input and you know, and some uh, you know some opinions on it, I guess. So you know what was surprising to me is again just how straightforward a process could be on paper, but practically um, how different it actually is. Mm.
0: And what is the hardest part about your job?
1: I think the hardest part about my job is, you know, I think it's one, how much pressure I put on myself because I try to hold myself to a certain internal standard. And, you know, that's kind of hard to live up to. And that's just me speaking from the heart openly about, you know, that aspect of things is, you know, you have to balance a lot of people. you have to balance a lot of personalities. Uh, You have to balance your own as well on top of it. Like I said, you have to kind of be very self-aware, you know, you have to be transparent um, and I think the hardest part is trying to have to think about the long-term versus short-term and anything that you do, um, is, you know, what, you know, you have a job to do and everybody does. Um, and you have to think about what are the long-term and, you know, short-term consequences, good or bad and anything that you're trying to do. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult, you know, thing to grasp and, and tackle sometimes of, you know, if I really want to get this done, what's the cost of that? And, you know, I don't want to ruin a relationship or burn a bridge or, you know, maybe make somebody upset unnecessarily. But I also, you know, just like anybody else, we have, you know, things to do, we have to get them done. And, um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to kind of wrangle with sometimes. But, um, you know, personalities, again, too, as you work in politics, so you have a lot of people, um, you have to deal with a lot of people, you have to know a lot of, you know, keep up with their titles. It's an, it's an ever changing industry, I say, of Uh, turnover of people that might be looking to go somewhere else and they go somewhere else and they're not the same in the same roles they were before but you know you still have them saved in your phone as three positions ago and you know I was probably no different than that when I was going through you know transitions from things from school to jobs and stuff too so that keeping up with that too and then work-life balance I think like anybody is 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 that as well as when you're you know when you're in a job that requires you to speak with folks, you have to kind of be a little bit more selfish, I'm starting to learn with your time to a certain extent. Uh, But then you also have to think about the fact that, you know, if you're in a position in life that you're able to do those types of things to, you know, make more time for folks than people with, you know, families, the people that live further away, people that have a lot of other obligations. You know, it's, it's more of a luxury if you look at it that way sometimes too, to be able to have, you know, the leeway and the time to do that kind of thing. So, um, you know, all of those things <laughs> in, 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 a round, in a roundabout sense.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, let's dig a little bit into your personality. Um, so what is um, the one thing you like to share, uh, which very few people know about you?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow, okay, let me think on that for a second. Very few people know about me. Okay, I always, uh, I think maybe this is one of them. When I was, I'm actually a Chinese studies minor. So when, for four years when I was at NC State, I actually studied, uh, each and every semester I was there, I studied uh, simplified Mandarin. So for three days a week, I would go uh, in a class of about, man, I think it was about eight people, sometimes 10 max, depending on the semester. Uh, I would go, and from the very beginning, I started at 101 like everybody else. Uh, And I would, uh, we'd go in there and do uh, reading, we do uh, a little bit of writing, I'd have a separate workshop once a week for writing. So it was sometimes three, if not four days a week, uh, that I got to do that. So that was uh, that kind of opened my eyes into something completely new, like I said, as somebody that isn't afraid of trying new things, because of, you know, just how things have gone (laughs) throughout time. uh, I jumped into it with two feet when I first got there as kind of a cool opportunity uh, had the opportunity to st- uh, study abroad, which unfortunately I wasn't ever to ever able to go do because of just the pursuit of some of the other things I was doing in this world and trying to make sure I had my summers filled up with productive, you know, career things. Um, But yeah, no, I studied it for four years, uh, got pretty good at it at a certain point. Please don't test me live now about whether or not I get things correct. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I always said it was a funny joke because I studied, you know, I studied Chinese for four years and then then I went to law school for four years and I think Chinese was more understandable. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it's uh it's yeah it's 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 a cool thing you know i like to you know not many people i guess expect to talk to me but it's uh challenging myself is something i've never been afraid to do and um uh, having the opportunity to do that was humbling at certain points but it was also extremely rewarding as that you know kind of finished up and uh you know i, I haven't used it too much now i don't think uh, i don't think me going into the general assembly speaking chinese is going to help me or anyone uh so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: That's awesome, and um, what is your favorite hobby?
1: Ooh, my favorite hobby. Um, I uh, I love sports. Uh, I've always loved sports. Played them growing up uh, a lot. Uh, played you know football, baseball, hockey. Uh, to even when we first moved to North Carolina, um, had to kind of drop that one just because of a lot of other sports that I wanted to play. But uh, I'm I'm a diehard hockey fan. Uh, love it more than probably most other things. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I I love uh, my family are big hockey fans. We're big New York Rangers fans. So uh, what I really like to do is at least once a year, I like to try to go with my younger brother, Greg. He's three years younger than me. Uh, He's just as much of a diehard crazy fan as I am. We like to pick at least one game a year where him and I will go um, and go watch a game together uh, at, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Been able to thankfully be able to do that a little bit more here recently in the last few years. COVID kind of was, you know, a little bit of an issue with that. Um, but even when we can't go, I love to watch the games with him as much as possible. He's in Winston-Salem now, so uh, I don't get to do it too too often anymore. Uh, but on Sundays, my all my family, we meet up for Sunday dinner back in Wake Forest. So I like Sunday dinner. It's a great hobby to be able to go see everybody once a week. But if I get that plus a Rangers hockey game, you know, that, that that's kind of great for me.
0: <laughs> awesome. That's very really cool. If you, can, if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Oh,
1: man. Oh, man. Uh, I think i probably have to go presidents on this. I think if I had to pick, I'd go three presidents just because I, I'm a little bit of a history buff. So um, my one of my favorite presidents ever, like I think I had said before, is John F. Kennedy. Uh, I, I just something about uh, being a young president that was, you know the first, you know the youngest at the time and uh, you know, Catholic from up north, you know, kind of kind of resonate with that a little bit. I think Reagan would also be a great one. And then FDR maybe too. Uh, maybe be my three I'd have a really interesting that'd be a really interesting policy discussion throughout history with three of those presidents but I, I think all three of them obviously lived through some very trying times and very historical moments so I think there'd be a lot for me to just kind of sit up and and and, and soak in um but then if I had to go hockey I mean I could pick sports guys all day like I could pick you know I'd pick like Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky and you know give me one of the guys on the team now I'd, I'd be thrilled if <laughs> well, I got to go do that, that at the uh they have a casino night for the Rangers. We went last year, my brother and I, um, we got to meet like all the team. It was all for the garden of dreams foundation. And I got to meet every player. And, and I was like, you know, I didn't get to sit down and eat dinner with them as I would in this scenario. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, you're 26, you know, you're not going to freak out when you meet another guy that is near your age or older at this point, you know, be mature. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. And I you know, got to go shake one of the players, hands and introduce myself. And I was like, I love you so much. My God, like, oh, that was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I just <laughs> Um, so uh yeah, so I'll go with those three if I had to go the presidential political route just because of you know their significance in history and there'd be plenty to talk about. But if I had to go to sports, I could pick my own three there too. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So um going a little bit back into your uh childhood, um, you did give us a sneak peek into it. Um, but can you tell us in a brief um couple of sentences as to how, like, you know, what was your childhood like, you know, growing up, were you always imagining yourself to be um, an entrepreneur like a dad or like, you know, did you want to be, you know, running your own shop? What, what, was, what was your thinking back then?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, having my dad, my parents, both of them, honestly, as a role model made, you know, things a lot easier than people would realize as much as you can talk about the first uh, generation stuff. Um, I think, you know, I, I always obviously looked up to my dad in the entrepreneurial sense and knew that was something that I knew would be a part of my life. But he also instilled, you know, my brother and my sister and I at a very early age is that, you know, he does the things he does to provide the opportunities for us to do more. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that kind of resonated for me uh, at a very early age. Um, so, you know, I got interested in politics, got interested in law, um, tried to figure out the best path to be able to do that. Um, And thankfully, my parents were, you know, as supportive as, you know, you could ask for and and more than that, honestly, um, to allow for me to be able to do those types of things um, and sacrificed a lot to make sure that those happened. And, you know, being, you know, allowing me to be able to go up to D.C. was a huge experience um, that they sunk a lot of time and investment into to make sure that happened for me to, you know, continue this kind of career path. So that's one very specific example that I can think of that sticks out for that. Um, but you know, it's, it's not, there was never any hesitation to try to, you know, to not do what my dad did and, uh, or continues still to do. Um, he he amazes us, amazes us every day. And my mom, the same, um, but you know, they're, uh, having, having both of them kind of at your back does make you feel like you can do pretty much anything, um, and, and continue to have that from them as I go down this path too. So I'm very thankful.
0: Nice. And what is the most favorite issue you worked on?
1: Oh, man, I think the one of the more favorite issues or the, I think the favorite one that sticks out for me, um, I'd have to, again, go back to when I was a staffer. So I worked with um, State Senator Brent Jackson's office for a number of years, um, actually, when I first got into law school as well, too, which was a part time situation for me in law school and a full time uh, in his office. And we worked on a very particular issue um, in uh, revolving around uh, special needs children um, and kind of some administrative red tape uh, issues along uh, throughout that process for making sure that uh, those kids and those families were able to get um, the educational opportunities and the support that they need um, in different capacities within public schools. Um, And it was a very constituent driven issue that came across a connection that I had with um, a really close friend of mine and his son. Um, And it kind of was one of those things that I just kind of mentioned to him through a brief meeting. And next thing you know, he was all on top of it because of uh, the person that he is knowing that there was you know this particular especially subset of North Carolina population that needed this assistance um, and he immediately was all over it and I uh, you know I got to work very closely with uh, you know DPI and some other folks on how that would look um, but it became a very sensitive uh, down home issue and I'll never forget uh, when we got it done um, at the end of session the uh, the family that we I had spoken to originally we're outside the Senate chamber as it got voted on. They came up and gave me a big hug, and you know, told me it was it meant more to be able to fix this process to make it more beneficial and easier for these families, um, even though it didn't directly affect them anymore. Um, just to know that their network of folks that they work closely with, with same uh, with special needs children uh, as well in that area, wouldn't have to go through what they went through as a result of it. So um, that was that was probably for me one of the one of the biggest things I was able to do. Nice. People, I don't take credit for it by any means.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's that's good. And and at Kairos Government Affairs, um, tell us what your role here is and um, what are the kind of uh, clients you look for?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm the general counsel here at Kairos Government Affairs. It is uh, myself, our managing partner, Betsy McCorple, our uh, partner, Scott Lassiter. Uh, and Brittany Conrad, who uh, is the most important person in our office, <laughs> who makes sure we're doing what we're doing uh, when we should be doing it. We work with a lot of different folks. Um, we uh, we take on a lot of issues, particularly in a lot of different of the uh, a lot of different subsections of the North Carolina legislative discussions that we see every year in both long and short sessions. So we work with co- folks in the transportation space, the energy space. Uh, we work with folks in the healthcare space. So we really cover a pretty broad range of topics, just based on. The the history and the experience of a lot of the folks that, that work here uh, and being able to kind of leverage a lot of those relationships and connections to make sure that, you know, our clients are able to, um, you know, work on what they need to here throughout the state. Uh, when we're looking for clients, uh, what, what we really kind of look for is folks that are rational and level headed. I think everybody obviously gets very vested in what they're talking about as they should. Um, but I think, you know, being able to trust us to defer to us on a certain sense of the everyday, uh, to trust us, to make sure that we're doing our job and, and, and best advocating for them at the legislature, at the agency level, whatever we, you know, may be uh, tasked with, uh, and communicated with us as well too. I mean, we're only as effective as the people we work with, um, especially, so being able to keep open and, you know, informal lines of communication open and being responsive and, um, you know, trusting our judgment in certain respects uh, in certain situations, and then uh, also having a good respectable decorum with members uh, and being able to be presentable uh, and level-headed, like I said, even if things aren't necessarily going the direction they want them to in, in certain specific instances. Uh, all of those things is what we really value here, and then we, we uh, I, say, I tell folks that we work with is that our reputation and credibility is just as reflective on us as it is you, and vice versa, is that, we you know, we, um, we try to be as, as respectful and credible as we can. And we try to make sure that when we're working on your things, that we do, we do the same um, and, and make sure that you uh, also get that same type of uh, uh, you know, opinion, I think, hopefully through the folks that we work with. So uh, we hold it near and dear to our heart. So like I said, we try not to burn bridges. I at least try not to, of course. And um, you know, we've been thankful to be very successful and being able to advocate it for our clients here um, and you know thankfully been able to uh, you know, do, do a lot of good work, too.
0: Nice. And looking towards the future, uh, what's what's your aspiration and what really drives and motivates you?
1: I mean, what really drives and motivates me is to continue to kind of just build off of everything that I've been able to do. Um, You know, I'm I'm the type of person that loves to grow each day. If I can, I, I love to try to be able to explore new things as much as I can. Obviously, being a newly licensed attorney now has kind of been uh, a, a new spin on things for this within this job as well, too. So I'm constantly learning uh, and I'm the only attorney here. So that's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm also right and wrong at the exact same time. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really hope, obviously, to aspire to be involved in politics greater one day. Um, I think, obviously, being able to understand the process and the people that work in the state is just as critical as having the ideas to try to implement them. Um, and the institutional knowledge and and really being able to understand how things work, I think is is critical uh, in, in being effective in any capacity. So I'm hoping honestly to use as much as I can within uh, this role and in the roles in the future to be able to continue to work on behalf of North Carolinians the best I can and, uh, and advocate for good policies and hopefully work to implement them one day.
0: Chris, um, thanks so much for spending these 20 to 30 minutes with me. I'm sure a lot of people would have learned a lot about you And also, what are the do's and don'ts about lobbying as well? Thanks so much for being here, man.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.